As you're listening to this episode, we would love to hear your feedback. If you get a chance, please send us a message to Haas Podcasts with an S at berkeley.edu or join our discussion board using our Clever Podcast app. You can download the app at clever.fm. I'm Adam Ward, and this is Here at Haas, a student-run podcast connecting you to all Haasies and the faculty that change our lives. This week on Here at Haas, we are joined by Avni Kansara, Director of the Student Experience for the EWMBA program at Haas. Welcome to the show, Avni. Thank you so much, Adam, for having me. It's awesome to have you here. I see you're back in the office. Is that a recent development? Yeah, so we are slowly coming back into the office. I think probably the next couple of weeks we'll get back to a more regular routine. But right now we had a meeting that we thought, hey, why not just come together in the office and be together as a whole team? So we actually got to see each other in person, (laughs) which was really exciting and see our offices again because we haven't been in here for like over a year. So it's really nice to kind of be back to a little bit of normality. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. We're, we're going back to the office now. And it's always so funny because there are these people that you haven't seen in a year and a half or new team members. And everyone comes up to me and they're like, wow, you're so tall. <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no one knows, right? It's we so have true. Had... <laughs> we, we have bodies below our top <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're not just mirages on Zoom. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you're back in the office and getting to see people. But we'd love to spend this time because I know that you, with your role of Director of Student Experience, you're in, you're in charge of so many of the key events that happen in the student calendar. In particular, and relevant for right now, we launch and we have a whole new cohort of students who are really excited to join. And I just really wanted to spend some time just talking about a bit behind the scenes, some of the things that happen, some of the fun stories that you have. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I didn't mind virtually, but I'm very excited to go and see the people in person. Totally. But before we dive into we launch and some of that, actually, Avni, I would just love to spend some time talking about your background, your story and your journey to Haas. Yeah. Uh, Sure. So I've been working in higher education specifically for the last since 2012. So it's almost been 10 years since I started working in higher education. And it actually was one of those things that I fell into it. I wasn't necessarily looking to have a job in higher education. But after I got my MBA myself in at UC Irvine, this job opened up at Irvine's campus with the part time MBA program over there. And it just worked out. I read the job description. I was like, I really love working with people and helping them get to where they want to go. And so the advising component of the job really drew me to it. And so I started working at their part-time MBA program at UC Irvine, Paul Murad School of Business. I loved it there. I'm a double anteater. <laughs> I did both my undergrad and my grad school there. And so I love that university. But I really wanted to move home. I'm from the Bay Area from the beginning, and my entire family is all up here. So after my nephew was born, my first nephew was born, I was like, I can't be so far away anymore. So luckily, this job at Irvine, I mean, at at Berkeley came about, and it worked out great. And I started working with the EW program in 2014, so seven Mm -hmm. years ago now. And been a long time. It's one of my longest jobs ever. And I can't see myself leaving anytime soon. I really love working at Haas and working with all of you guys in the EW program and all the faculty. Everyone is just really great to work with. And it's really challenging, which I love. I don't like to get bored. So this job (laughs) is not boring. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, definitely not boring. And how has it changed over the last seven years? I mean, that's quite a lot of time to, to work at a place. Oh, 100%. It's changed a lot in terms of kind of the structure of how we run the program has changed quite a bit. When I first started, the advising structure was quite different. It was very 
transactional based. So the student has an issue, they come into the program office and whoever was available to help would mm-hmm. help them. But there was not really any continuity in terms of the advising. And so we changed that structure to how it is now in the sense that we advise students by last name. A student comes into the program and they know who their advisor is and who they can go to for any kind of questions or anything. And so that not only helps create that trust that is needed for a student when they're coming into this crazy program to be able to have somebody they can rely on for help. But it also helps with having somebody make sure that they keep track of any of the issues that you're currently dealing with as a student and making sure nothing falls through the cracks. And so that's one of the biggest changes that we've had. And just the structure of our program office, we've grown our staff quite considerably. I think we started with just five people and now we're eight. So it's Mm -hmm. quite a bit more people. It's still a small team, but at the same time, like for the fact that we manage about 900 or so students in the program at one time. We need the staff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then also the other big change is that this role was actually, it didn't exist. The director of student experience didn't exist until probably about five years ago. That was something that we had decided as we restructured the program office is that we really need somebody to really focus on outside of the classroom experience mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the academics obviously is so key and it's so important. So we have a whole team of people working on that. But what about stuff outside of the classroom? The MBA experience, the stuff outside of the classroom is just as important in terms of networking and the connections that you build outside of classroom. That's where my role came in and it worked out really wonderfully. I really love working with students directly and advising students. So that still Mm -hmm. stayed with my job as a director. And also the event planning side was a huge component for me. I have a huge passion for event planning. And so this is a a wonderful opportunity to be able to have the ability to plan and execute these large-scale events every year for our students. That's great. And you do such a good job of it. Thank you. It ties to WeLaunch because that's obviously probably one of the biggest events. Would love if you could explain a little bit about WeLaunch, but also some of the history and how it's changed since you've been running it. Definitely. WeLaunch is an awesome program. It's a three-day intensive orientation experience. And when I mean intensive, it's there's like programming all through the Mm -hmm. day from Friday all the way till Sunday, but it's not like you're sitting in the classroom for three days straight. Like there's two big components of WeLaunch. One component is getting you prepared for your journey in terms of making sure that you know about the career management group and all the resources Mm -hmm. that you have and how to do a case study method. All of that stuff is really important. But I felt what is really crucial is making sure that we have also the student and bonding happening during the orientation weekend. So what I absolutely love about this weekend is you've got on Friday morning, you have check-in and these people, there's about 275, 285 new students that come in. Nobody knows each other. And then by Sunday, they're like, super close and like family basically and it's so wonderful to see that and that's my goal is to make sure that the students form that really tight bond with their cohort and with the entire class of you know 2024 for example this year and so that is how I structured we launch in terms of how it's changed over the years to be honest I don't remember how it was like when I first started but I know that it was definitely not as focused on the bonding side and that's something mm-hmm. that I really brought in and I restructure the schedule in such a way where, you know, you have the informative sessions, more of like a lecture style sessions, and then followed by a cohort bonding activity. And then you have more of the informative sessions and then cohort bonding. So like you kind of interchange the weekend where you have some of the more 
sitting and listening heavy sessions with more of the informal Mm -hmm. activity sessions. And I think that seems to be a really good formula so far. But yeah, it's been really awesome because every year we do something different. It's like relatively the same general concept, but we always add new twists every year to try things out. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear about some of the new twists that you've got in store for, for the class of 2024. Yeah. Before we go into that, do you have any favorite behind the scenes stories of WeLaunch from oh some of the earlier years that you were, were leading it? That's a really great question. I think some of my favorite stories are seeing the skits that end up coming out of uh, WeLaunch. So our students normally would get defining leadership principle as a mm-hmm. theme and are told you have to have no instructions except do a five minute skit the next day and with your <laughs> cohort. And it's so funny to see them actually put their skits together and then see them actually perform it on Saturday night. And they've literally had maybe like a total of two, three hours total between the two days to work on it and they do such a great job of it and so the creativity that comes from that the skits are my favorite part and every year it surprises me like to see what they do with that defining leadership principle Mm -hmm. and how they like incorporate that into their cohort identity and what I also love is we always record that and so for example this year during their graduation virtual ceremony we actually played snippets of their cohort skit and it was a highlight of the entire virtual ceremony for them to see that and reminisce on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great full circle moment. It is. That's a really nice touch. That's awesome. We like to kind of bookend things. We started off obviously at We Launch and then at commencement and the final event, which is We Lead. We usually like to bring back some of their activities that they did and pictures from We Launch and all of those fun things um, so they can reminisce on what they did three years ago. That's awesome. Well, I was going to add for our group, we actually had to do a wrap because we were doing it yes. virtually. So I can't quite remember. I think we're doing Challenge the Status Quo and we did a wrap and we I'm in gold cohort and we uh-huh. all had gold backgrounds. And I remember one of my classmates doing a wrap, <laughs> which was funny. It was really funny. I, I don't know if that needs to be brought up in two years time, but uh, we will see. But I think that leads actually to my next question, which is you have this formula, you're adding your new twists every year. And then suddenly last year, boom, pandemic. Would love to hear a bit more about how that all went down and how you had to change rapidly and what you learned about leadership from that. Yeah, what happened? (laughs) So obviously, March, everything kind of shut down. And usually I start planning my orientation around March or April timeframe. So it was right around that time. Luckily, I hadn't done any planning before that because that would have been really hard to like literally cancel everything I did and try it all over again. So, but I think the hard part that we struggled with a lot last year was in, especially in the very beginning, we weren't sure how long it was going to last. We didn't know how serious this was. Like it was all just this new thing. Is it going to be really bad? No one really knew whether this is something we need to plan orientation virtually or not. Like we all, I think, naively thought it was going to get over within two weeks when we first went in shelter in place. And then now here it's a year and a half later and we're still slowly getting back. So once we kind of realized, I think it was around, I'd say probably end of April is when we realized that, no, this is now, it's so 
uncertain, let's just plan for 100% virtual so that way we can actually get started with planning it. Because normally, again, this three-day event that I was explaining before, it would take at least three, four months to plan Mm -hmm. um, for this kind of event. But when we're doing something completely brand new, I've never done anything virtual for orientation before. I didn't even really understand how Zoom worked at that time. Now I do. (laughs) But at that time, I didn't really understand it. And I basically spent a lot of time really looking at our schedule from last year, the year before and saying, okay, these are the sessions we need to have. And then looking at a calendar and kind of trying to put the sessions in an order that actually makes sense Mm -hmm. for the students. And then also, like I mentioned before, you know, I really like to do my schedules where you have the informative stuff and then cohort bonding and then some like informative and more bonding. So that's what I did with my schedule is I made sure to plop in all of the really important informative sessions and then trying to weave in the student experience, like fun bonding kind of activities. And I think we really relied heavily on our student leaders at the time. And that was the other thing. The student leaders are the VPs of incoming student experience that help us. And when they first got hired on, they got hired on to do a regular we launch. And so it, everybody had to transition. But they were really great in terms of bouncing ideas off of, okay, this is where I'm thinking. Does it actually make sense as a student? Would you want it to be any different. So the whole part of it being spread out over two weeks was actually a student feedback that we took because people were Zoom overloaded. You know, like you can't have three days straight, like full 12 hour days on Zoom, like it just doesn't work. So we knew we had to spread it out a little bit longer. And given that we would have to do stuff during the workday in order to manage this, I actually ended up doing everything twice. So for example, we had the career management group session and they did a session at 12 to 1.30 and then at 6 to 7.30. So that way it gives students the flexibility to choose which one works best for their schedule. We wanted to give as much flexibility as possible given the weird world that we were living in at that time. And so, yeah, in terms of what it's taught me, to be honest, as an event planner, like I'm really all about schedules and planning everything to the T. And so this was definitely a lesson in flexibility and contingency planning and all of that stuff. So it's definitely taught me a lot about initially what my preferences are in terms of like my work style. I got to really truly understand who I was and the fact that I am an organized like a type person (laughs) that really likes everything planned out and doesn't like change. And then it made me give me the challenge of getting outside of my comfort zone. And actually it was yeah challenging and I definitely had moments where it was a freak out moment. And, you know, I had a few of those here and there. But to be honest, like, I think it grew me as a person and grew me as a leader. And it really made me set the tone for the rest of the year, because obviously, as like, the rest of the year was all virtual as well. And we just have to roll with the flow and understand that this is a temporary setback, but we can still find a way to get the goals of the event across through a virtual platform. One question I have around Mm -hmm. that is we are obviously transitioning from virtual back to in person. This we launch is going to be in person. Were there any things that you really liked about doing it virtually or you learned from doing it virtually that you have now incorporated those ideas and principles into doing it in person again this summer? 
Totally. And actually, so this year it is going to be a hybrid situation. Okay, yeah. So we do still have some sessions virtually and some sessions in person. And actually, that is something that I had thought of after last year's event that actually we could go with this hybrid model going forward where students have the ability to participate into in these Zoom sessions prior to the weekend. And that way the weekend can be focused on the cohort bonding, mm-hmm. which is really the because I think that was a feedback that we constantly get year after year is that the schedule is so packed that sometimes it's a bit hard to like really have time to debrief with each other and not be so scheduled. And so if we do this the way that we're doing it this year, where we have some of these really crucial sessions virtually before we launch weekend, then we can actually be able to be a little bit more productive with our time in person. Now, the other thing too with that is not only is it helpful for our schedule, but it also, I noticed that there was a lot of these sessions that we were able to utilize the breakout room feature a lot more effectively because when you've got 285 people in a room and you're all trying to have paired conversations, it just gets really loud and chaotic. And so this really helps allow us to get people to interact with each other in a more calm kind of fashion Mm -hmm. and also allows students to mix with each other because oftentimes during a normal we launch it's very cohort based right you're with your cohort the whole weekend but you don't spend as much time with other people outside of your cohort so with these virtual sessions because you can just select whatever time works for you you've got people from all four cohorts in there so when we do these randomized breakout rooms we actually have people interacting with people outside of their own cohort so we've got the best of both worlds we got the outside of cohort like the entire class bonding and then the weekend when you're really bonding with your cohort mates So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to see how things go this year. And we can look at the feedback and see, you know, how we can continue to iterate going forward. (laughs) Yeah, that's every year we like to change. (laughs) I can attest to the breakout and the randomization. Actually, I feel like my cohort isn't really cliquey because when we do happy hours after class, you're just going to a random breakout room and you speak to everyone and you keep up with everyone, which is a great addition. So that's actually really exciting um, to create cross-pollination across the whole entire year that's exactly because it is like your network essentially has grown not only by your cohort size but by 275 285 for you Mm -hmm. it was like 314 and you want to be able to build those connections with all of the people because you never know who's going to help you get your next job or who might have other connections that you really want. And so giving you the opportunity to have these like informal conversations with people outside of your cohort really helps facilitate that part of the program. Absolutely. And every time we were in a breakout room, we always started with five minute icebreaker question or introduction part because we know that Every time we go into a breakout room, it's likely going to be at least somebody in there is new and you don't know them. So we wanted to make sure that it wasn't just the activity that sent you into the breakout room, but there was in addition more Mm -hmm. of that icebreaker kind of feel. And I feel like when you're in virtual setting, you do have to give a bit of structure to the icebreaker so that exactly. it, you don't have that awkward Zoom experience, exactly. which I'm sure we've all had. Yes. <laughs> Avni, you talked earlier and you teased us by talking about the different twists that you have each year. I'm wondering if not to get rid of all your secrets, but maybe if there's any twists or anything that you know students listening who will be joining us uh, yes. for this year's we launch should be particularly excited about. Definitely. I can see one twist that we're doing this year is actually going to be a talent show. 
we thought that was a really fun thing that we did with your year and we wanted to do it live and in person versus like virtual watching of people's videos. So that's going to be a new thing that I'm really excited about because I think everybody brings so much unique Mm -hmm. talents outside of just their normal work selves. And so it's giving people the ability to see the whole person. Mm -hmm. Um, And oftentimes those talents really showcase who that person is. So I'm excited about that component. And then some other fun stuff for this year. We're still working on our schedule, but I think I can mention about the little scavenger hunt that we're going to be doing. And it's going to allow students to be able to learn about the campus as a whole and really get bonded to the entire UC Berkeley campus. So that's going to be really fun and exciting. So I think, yeah, and I think those are some of the ones that I would be fine sharing at the moment. <laughs> but. Yeah, I, w- I will stop there. But I work closely with the incoming student experience reps in the uh, EWMBA Association, and they're very excited. And I'm actually going to be interviewing them in a future podcast oh, from cool. their side. So you can see the program office side, you can see the VP side and how it all comes yeah. together. Yeah, I know they're very excited about the scavenger hunt. It's something that I'm excited about as well, just mainly because I'm, my brain doesn't really work that way. <laughs> so I, in terms of creating clues and all of that stuff, I don't really, I'm not to be honest, very good at that. So we have a wonderful staff member on hand, Justine Rhodes, who is very good at that. And she's been helping out a lot with that scavenger hunt part. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. It's funny you mentioned clues because one of the questions I wanted to talk about at the end is that I yeah. know that you write murder mystery novels. So we'll have to yes. talk about clues in, 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 at the end just to tease that kind of con- conclusion. But before we get there, I just wanted to take a step back. We've obviously spent a lot of time talking about WeLaunch. We'd just love to talk about, as director of student experience, your thoughts on the student experience in general at Berkeley and, and what you've learned about the whole year being virtual and what your some of your plans are as we go back in person as well. One thing that really was highlighted last year with the student experience piece is just how crucial it is for the student experience and that it is not something that can be overlooked. And yeah, we made it work last year. I think we did a decent job last year with what we had available in terms of our tools being virtual. But I think everybody really is very excited to get back in person. But one thing that I really want to be mindful about and make sure that students are mindful about is not overwhelming themselves because I think there's going to be a rush to fill this itch of not having any social interaction for a year. And it's going to, people are going to go crazy in the very Mm -hmm. beginning of fall and then they're going to get burnt out. So I think that would be my advice is just spread it out a bit (laughs) and really truly take full advantage and actually truly feel like you're doing what you need to do in that event. And that event is, let's say, for example, you're going to a networking event. And if you have in your mind, okay, I have a networking event tomorrow, or I've got this uh, speaker series the next day, like you might be thinking about all of these other activities that you have to do. And therefore, you're not really focused on that one event that you're there for. So it's just like really being able to focus your attention on what it is that is most important to what you're doing at that time. So those are some of the things to really keep in mind. And the other thing that really is I've been focusing on a lot is how do we 
take what we've learned last year and enhance our in-person student events because we do have a lot of students that are not living locally and, you know, therefore maybe are not able to come to some of the club events or some of the speaker series. So how can we make an event that we will eventually be doing in person, but also have a hybrid or a dual mode capability? So that way students that are farther away or maybe have a lot more commitments at home and can't get away from their house to come for an hour event. How can we create an environment and experience for them that still allows them to be a part of this Berkeley community and still participate in events? So that's something that I think is going to be a work in progress. Obviously, like we're still learning about our technology and Mm -hmm. figuring out how it's going to work. But it's just really exciting to actually see that last year wasn't a waste, right? Like we definitely learned a lot from Mm -hmm. what we did last year. And I'm excited to see how we can move uh, forward and, and actually improve on what we are currently doing. And then the last thing I wanted to just mention on this is that we have been exploring a lot of different virtual platforms that Mm -hmm. allow for informal gatherings. So one of them is OEA, which I am super excited about and I love playing around in. And so I'm really trying to see how we can continue utilizing that OEA platform, again, to allow people that want to hang out with others, but maybe can't physically make it in person. So trying to see a way to incorporate those virtual platforms and all the virtual learnings into our fall plannings. I completely agree with you. I don't, the time hasn't been wasted. And I think there's going to be a huge, not just in the student experience, but work experience, like in hybrid, right? How do you manage that hybrid workforce or student body and make sure that everyone feels included? I just did the turnarounds class last week and it, it was so good. There were so many like cold calls and breakout rooms and speakers that could speak who probably couldn't come to campus. I almost thought it was probably better <laughs> as a virtual class because they had completely remodeled the class to fit a virtual environment. And I think if you don't just lift and shift, you can really get amazing outcomes from that. No, and I think what's also really great about this is that you have the opportunity to actually be thoughtful about your planning of it. Mm. I think what happened with going virtual immediately, like literally, like we had one day to go virtual and you pretty much are in survival mode all year long. You just do it. You have to get it done. But now we can actually really truly think through and strategize how best to utilize all of the platforms that we have available, both in person and virtually. And there are some that are also like introverts that really loved the virtual platform. So let's keep that going for them because we're not all extroverts. <laughs> Absolutely. Avni, that's an awesome overview of the work that you do at the program office. And you know, I'm sure people can get in touch with you if they have questions on our VPs of social as well. I would definitely get in touch with if you've got ideas for creating social events um, in, in, in the community. And one thing that I did tease earlier that we have to speak about is we are speaking to Agatha Christie over here. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> she grew up near where I grew up, obviously different times, but her house is beautiful if you ever get the opportunity. But this is your writing murder mystery, which I think is one of the best icebreakers that you have. <laughs> but could you tell us a bit more about that? Where does that passion come from? What books do you write? Would love to hear a little bit more about that to conclude this conversation. I have had a passion for writing since fifth grade. It was, I remember this exactly. It was a creative writing exercise that we had to do for our English class. And it was a terrible article or like 
story that I wrote, but it just created this bug of, oh my God, I love being able to create my own world and create my own characters. And so I just, I really started when I was in elementary school and stuff, I didn't really do too much seriously, but I really loved the process of creating a story. I wasn't really into poems as much. So I went into the longer form of some short stories, but mostly novels. And then when I went and I graduated from the Mirage School at UC Irvine's MBA program. And I finally had the ability to not read educational books. Like I finally was able to do, spend the time as I wanted to. And so that's what really picked up my writing career was after my MBA program. And I've met so many other writers. And when they were talking about advice. They mentioned that when you're writing your first book, you should really write what you enjoy reading because you actually are able to understand the structure of a really good mystery book. For example, for me, it's mysteries. So I really knew like how to structure a book properly because I read so many of them. And so that really drew me into that genre. And from there, it was just whenever the ideas flowed, you write it down. I had a notebook with me all the time when phones were not as much of a thing. I had actual physical paper (laughs) pen that I would carry with me to write down notes whenever I had them. But yeah, I wrote my first novel started in 2012 and I finished it and published it in 2015. And so it took me three years. It takes a very long time, but it's now on Amazon. And I then wrote the sequel, which took me another three years to write and also on Amazon. But it's after that, you know, it's it's been a slower process. I think I also have to give myself a little bit of a break because we were in the middle of a pandemic, which is a little bit hard to you know, be as creative. But I really enjoy the genre because it's so challenging to do so well. And I'm constantly learning like I don't take any like official classes or anything like that. It's more of just practice and therefore I get better. And so for me, when I'm not necessarily in the mood to write a novel, I'm constantly at least writing prompts or flash fiction stuff. I I try to do a little bit of something um, to keep my creative juices flowing, but it's a lot of fun. I really need to get back into it, but I'm not going to force myself either because I know that that can be detrimental. So (laughs) absolutely. So I'm sure a lot of people listening who are going to be joining the class of 2024, they've got a few final weeks before they've got all the leading people reading that they have to do and all the yeah so what's the name of the book and what's it about (laughs) so the first book is called redemption okay and it is a murder mystery that takes place in a made-up city close to monterey so i kind of used a northern california area because i knew the area but i didn't find a a city that matches what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So I made it up. But basically, it's a very small town, beach city. The police force doesn't really deal with homicides very often because it's a relatively crime-free-ish area. And so when there is a homicide, it's just these detectives have to kind of bumble their way through and deal with the public perception issues because everyone thinks they can't do it Mm -hmm. and they have to fight that and they go through a lot of challenges and it's a very interesting book and I don't want to give away too much information. Mystery (laughs) remains. You look, I love an Agatha Christie rural murder show I, in the uk there's this big show called midsummer murders which i watched a lot oh. just finished mayor of east town so that was a great show if anyone's <laughs> looking for recommendations before uh, before term starts yeah. <laughs> 
So that's my first one. And then the second one is a sequel. So it has the same uh, characters, but it's a, a different murder and different mystery and different issues to solve. So yeah, that one is called Copywritten. Okay. In all one word, but I am on amazon with my name so i don't have a pen name or anything like that oh, i always think that's so fun to think of that this poor yeah. town avni had no murders and then you've come along with at least two what are they doing <laughs> there, these was, poor people? there was a little bit more because the second book had more than one murder. Oh, just oh. gonna say <laughs> you promised a few twists and turns that you've definitely delivered now these detectives are definitely experienced they're experienced and maybe they get fired because that's a lot more crime than there there was before so. <laughs> true <laughs> thank you for coming on the show avni it's been great speaking to you about relaunch and your writing career as well of course thank you so much for having me and thank you to you for tuning in to hear at Haas. Know a Haasy that has a story to tell? Nominate them on our website, haaspodcast.org. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. It really does help. And of course, share this episode with your favorite bears. Until next time, I'm Adam Ward, and this is Here at Haas. <laughs>